morning we are going to continue on with our series called Remain in Christ, Remain in Christ. And today I want to talk about ever-increasing fruit. A couple of weeks ago um, I was already talking about this, uh, Remaining in Christ, and I actually uh, started listening to a teaching by Tony Evans and uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. And it just inspired me to go back to the same scripture that I had been reading, just to kind of look at it once again. So this morning, I kind of want to look at this whole thing again. Two weeks ago, I was talking about remaining in Christ and how my father taught me the, the, <clears throat> the experience of what it is just to be in his presence. And every morning, I would get up and I'd go downstairs and he was always there with breakfast, always had a pot of tea and a, and a, and a pile of toast. And, and through that, I really started to learn that this is what it takes just to be with God, that every day you just have to be in his presence. And being in his presence gives you the provision of what you need. And that really is his presence. So I want to go back to the scripture. Now, last time we, we noticed that 34 times the word remain was said in the scripture that we're about to read in John chapter 15. Now, I'm going to ask you to see if you can spot what's the other word that is mentioned a lot of times. You're okay? And I'll give you a test at the end of this. Okay, so here we go. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Anyone get an idea of what that word might be? You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. <clears throat> if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thanks to God for his word. Today, I want to talk about how things are meant to be fruitful. And have you ever noticed in the world today that everything seems to be getting bigger? Like your cars get bigger, your phones get bigger, the houses get bigger, the TVs get bigger, your waistlines get bigger. Everything's getting bigger, right? Even if you go to McDonald's, they always want to ask you if you want to, you want to upgrade it. You want to go to, what do they call it? You have to upgrade it? Supersize, see? <laughs> you go to McDonald's, I can tell. Or you go to Wendy's, you get biggie size, right? Everything's getting bigger. I mean, this is a really nerdy thing, but do you, did you know that the Honda Civic is bigger than the Honda Accord from 20 years ago? Anyone nerdy like me that would know that information? Just me? Okay, a couple few nerdy people with me. That's great. I even went to buy a phone recently. And I looked at the phone, and here's, here's my phone. I have an Android phone because I'm not an iSheep, right? <clears throat> I just lost most of the people in this room. Hey! hey! <laughs> This is like politics, right? <laughs> iPhone users on this side, Android users. On the... What side of the aisle do you draw? You uh, never mind. Anyway, so 
Here's the, my non-iceheap phone. And uh, you, know, you know the ones that are now the flippy flip ones? You open them up like that and they're much bigger. And I was, I was looking at them going, oh, this is phenomenal. It's really cool. And how you can flip them open. I would be able to do more work, which means watch bigger screens of YouTube, right? And, and I'm looking, it's like, oh, I could do all these things. And I'm closing it. It's, you know, it's pretty expensive. And then I put it in my pocket and I thought, I'm going to kill myself with this thing when I bend over and sit down. This thing is just like massive, right? There, everything's getting bigger. And bigger and bigger, and 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 it seems like that's just the way things are. Even if you, if anyone's ever lived in a house from the 1970s, anyone ever lived in a house from the 70s or 60s or the, even the 80s? Like the closet space is like this size. It's it's like two feet by two feet, right? That's the closet space because maybe in those days they didn't have as many clothes or didn't want as many clothes. But now closet spaces are like the size of your garage. I, my friend has just bought a house or he's just bought a house and I went to see his house and the closet space is bigger than my bathroom. That's the toilet, the, the sink, the bath and the shower included. His closet space is bigger than my bathroom. Everything's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. But in the economy of Jesus, bigger is better. Everything that Jesus has been saying here about fruit, did you notice that? How many times he said the word fruit? There's an increasing uh, language when he keeps using the word fruit. Let me show you. In verse, oh, I didn't even finish the scripture. Do you want to finish the scripture this morning? What a boo-boo that is. Okay, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Okay, now let's look at the words he uses for fruit. Verse two, he talks about no fruit. And then he talks about fruit. And then he goes to more fruit. And then he says much fruit. And then he finally talks about lasting fruit. That's remaining fruit or abiding fruit, if any of you are into the KJV. Fruit is what he wants. And he talks about how God expects, the gardener expects that there should be an increasing fruit in our lives. And so in studying this, I'd noticed there was two different facts that I learned about fruit. And the first one is this, that fruit is always visible. There's no such thing as invisible fruit, unless you're counting all the fruit that is going to come from a seed. But that's invisible because it doesn't even exist in, at this point. Fruit is always, always visible. Scripture says that others should see your fruit. If it's not visible, then it's not fruit. Matthew 5, 16 says this, let your, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works, that's your fruit, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're meant to let it be displayed to everybody. You can't hide your fruit. The scripture tells us that fruit is visible. The second thing I've learned about fruit is this, fruit always exists for the benefit of someone else. 
Fruit always exists for the benefit of someone else. Fruit doesn't eat itself. It may have seeds that propagate itself, but it's never selfish. It's never about eating itself. Only rotten fruit eats itself. If no one wants to be like you, then there might be a chance that you're a dying tree with rotten fruit. You see, if you have good fruit, you will draw people unto yourself. Jesus had so much good fruit, that's why people kept coming to him. If you have good fruit, people will come to you. And if you're the type of person that's like, you know what, I'm an introvert, I'm not really an extrovert, I don't really wanna do stuff, I don't really wanna be, uh, have to have people in my life, I like to be separated from people, I wanna be alone, but that's not fruit. Because Jesus told us to tell other people about the goodness of him. Fruit is you manifesting Jesus in your life and spreading it to other people that they may enjoy it too. So how do we then increase in fruit? How do we go from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit to lasting fruit? How do we get this fruit? Well, there's two things that Jesus mentions. He uses the word, word a couple of times. He uses, he, two times he uses the word, word, right? This is not a this is not a Bill Clinton is, is moment, right? This is just a word, word, right? And so there's two times he's using this word, word. And the first one is this. This is how we increase in our fruit. Number one, be changed by his word. How do we know that? John 15, verse two and three says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now watch this. This word clean that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago is the word prune. It means the same thing. It means to change. It means to become something else. It means to improve. In fact, the word prune is where we get our word purgatory from. We are meant to live in a purgatory, which is a process of changing you from fruitlessness to fruitfulness. And so therefore, Jesus is saying, you are already clean. That means you're already pruned so that it will be even more fruitful. We want to be fruitful, we must be pruned. If we want to be pruned, then we have to be pruned by the Word. Now watch me on this one. There are three words in Greek that are the words that are mainly used for the word, Word. Now, sorry if we get a little nerdy here, but I like getting into this stuff, right? So if you're with me on this, great. If you're not with me on this, just scroll on your iSheep phone, right? Here we are, of the word, three words in Greek. The first one is graphe. Graphe is the written word or the scripture. That's what's on your phone, on your app, or your, or your Bible when you open it up. That's graphe. It's the recorded or written version of the testimony of who God is. The second Greek word, is the word logos. That means the content or the meaning or the reason of the word. John chapter one says this, in the beginning was the, and the word was God and the word was with God. That's one of the most pivotal verses in the whole of scripture. This is John trying to describe who Jesus is. And when he's trying to describe who Jesus is, he's really answering the philosophers of those days when people are saying, what's the meaning of life? Why do we follow God? Is there a God? And here's John, he's saying, let me clear this up. Before anything existed, Jesus was. Before anything existed, God was. He's the meaning, he's the reason. He's the only purpose behind everything that exists today. 
In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was God, and the Logos was with God. In fact, today, if you ever speak to an atheist, you'll discover that they have to admit that everything is meaningless if you don't believe in a God. Sartre said this. There's so many different uh, philosophers out there that had to admit to us that everything is meaningless, which means there is no reason to live, there is no joy in life, there's no reason for joy, so therefore life is absurd. There's no point to live if there is no God, if there is no meaning. And here's John saying this, there is a meaning. His name is Jesus. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was the Word, and the Logos was with God. It's the meaning behind everything. But there is a third version that is used in Scripture for the word word, and it's the word rhema. And rhema means the application or the activation of a promise. When you make something come to pass and you make it happen. So therefore, if we're reading verse 3, let's read verse 3 again. Let's put it differently. You are already the clean, the changed, or clean is the original word he used. Now, this is Jesus speaking. You are already changed, cleaned, because of the meaning I have spoken to you. Because of the reasons I have spoken to you. He's saying that he, Jesus, must come alive in us in order to have fruit in our lives. Let me try and explain this in a different way. Years ago when I first came over, uh, I've been here for 27 years, my goodness. I've been in America longer than I've been in Scotland. So the Scottishness is rubbing off eventually. It's getting washed off day by day. So when I first came over, I was the most eligible bachelor in America, apparently, right? In Scotland, I was a nobody. You know why? Because I didn't have an accent there, right? I was nothing nobody, nothing, nothing special over there. And really, I was, there was no young ladies that were ever interested in me. I was nothing special, certainly not a good looker in any particular way. And come over to, thanks very much for that vote of sympathy. He said, ah, um, <clears throat> always like, ah, um, I don't know which one it was, um, and so, and so I'm, I'm over here, and I, I'm, I never, I'll never forget, there was one mother who, it was not in this church, it was somewhere else, and she came up to me, she's like, oh my God, you have an accent, that's so cute, you should meet my daughter, you guys would be such a cute couple together, and I'm like, is that all it takes in America? This is amazing. <laughs> well, you don't have to have a bank account, that's just great, you're selling your daughter off. And so when I was here, I, you know, I, I said to myself, I don't want an American wife, not because not there's anything wrong with American wives, you're all wonderful. It's just simply because I thought it's going to be complicated to have family here and family over there, and I was right. <laughs> it is complicated. But here I am, as many of you know, Crystal and I are married, she's American, I'm godly. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I am kidding. This is wrong, this is wrong. She's my first wife. I'm kidding. She does not like that joke whatsoever. She doesn't like that joke whatsoever. Anyway, so anyway, I'm, I'm over here and, you know, we're hanging out. You know, she didn't want to be married to a pastor's kid and I don't want to be married to a pastor's kid. And, we, you know, we, we got to know each other. I got to know many people. I had lots of friends. And then about two years later, I went back to Scotland. When I went back to Scotland, my sisters must have had a plan to want to try and get me to stay in Scotland because... 
you know, the people that finally missed me and I missed them and, and they probably thought, well, the way we'll do that is we'll actually pr probably try and find if there's someone he might be interested in. So when I went back to Scotland, uh, there was a couple of girls that, you know, they're like, what do you think of, well, she's so lovely, isn't she? she tell, have you ever spoke, go over and speak to her, right? And this is, this is what women do, right? They try and connect you and hook you up with someone who has been pre-vetted by them, right? She's not crazy is what they're actually trying to say. And if you might her, I can suffer her. But this one over here, don't go anywhere near that one, right? Is that, no? Okay, just my sisters, my sisters. But when I was there, I realized I really miss Crystal. And something had changed inside of me. Oh, that's not a sympathy. Oh, that's good. Um, men don't like talking about this stuff, but here we go. So, um, so I, I really just, I couldn't stop thinking about her. So when I came back to America, unfortunately, she had kind of had the same change in her heart too. And the point to this is this. I believe that when I came back, something had changed in my heart. And what had changed in my heart is who she was. Her meaning had changed to me. You follow me? Her meaning, she hadn't changed but her meaning to me had changed. And when the meaning of a person changes to you, it has an effect on you. It changes you. In fact, the fruit was coming to me, I believe, because of the meaning had changed me. Why? Because her meaning had changed me. I had a different thought about her. I was therefore going to interact with her differently. I was going to pursue her differently. I was going to desire her. Everything was about to change if she was willing to allow me to pursue her. I was, I was now given the permission to have a whole different fruit in my life because the meaning of who she was had changed to me. You follow me on this? This is what Jesus is saying. It's not until you are changed by the meaning of who he is that you can actually have the fruit that he wants to give you. That you can actually manifest the fruit of who Jesus is. If you don't get who Jesus really is, even if you only get a small amount, there is so much more for you to discover that the meaning of who he is could change your life, your mind, your thinking, your, your, your attitude. Everything could change simply because of what he means to you. Just as a side note, you might want to consider that if your marriage has ever struggled in life, or even if it's struggling now, you might want to ask yourself the question, has the meaning of my spouse changed to me? Did I think of her as absolutely wonderful before, but now I don't think that way? Now you could say, well, she's the one that changed. Maybe you're the one that changed. Maybe your heart changed. Maybe your attitude changed. Regardless of what she does or what she says, you should still feel the same about her. The point is this, if Jesus is not alive in you, you can't have his fruit. You're a dead branch waiting to drop off the vine. What's more, Jesus already said in this scripture that we actually just read, is that he has already decided the meaning that we have for him. How do we know that? Because there's no greater love than to lay down your life for another. He deeply loves us because he's decided that we are someone who is worthy of being loved. The meaning had changed inside of him. The second word that, that John talks about here, the first one is, we must be changed by his word. But the second word is this, we must remain in his word. Once we've been changed by it, 
We have to remain. That means for it to continue, to go on, to keep happening. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about remaining in the presence of the Father in order to receive his provision. We, we, we know that uh, if we wait upon the Lord, as Isaiah says, wait upon the Lord and you will renew your strength. So this word here is the rhema, sorry, the rhema word, the, the, the use of this word. The rhema word is the application word. So let's read it in a different way. If you remain in me and my application, the rhema word, if you remain in me and my application remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that is a huge thing to say. He's saying this, the application of God must be constantly in you. His DNA, his nature must take root in you. There's no point in saying that you're a Christian in title. It must become a lifestyle. Now, I studied this recently. And I'm studying about uh, different types of trees and how they fruit and how they grow on vines. And I discovered that if you take a branch from a peach tree and you cut that branch off and you graft it into an apple tree... That branch will live, but it will never produce peaches. If you take that same branch from a peach tree and you graft it into a plum tree, that branch will not only live, but it will create peaches. How is that possible? How, did that, how would that even come about? It's simply because of this. The peach tree comes from the same genus root as the plum tree. It has the same nature. It has the same DNA makeup, or a very, at least the, the root DNA makeup. But it doesn't have the same DNA as the apple tree. You see, if your character is bad, you're not of the tree of God. If your behavior is not righteous, then you're not of the tree of God. You have a different DNA. You have a different character. You're not grafted into Christ properly. I believe that if you're cheating on your taxes, you're cheating on your wife, you're cheating on your friends, or you're cheating on your God, you're even cheating on your own purity, you're not in the right vine in that part of your life. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I said, I tithe and tax on everything that I earn. Even if I'm making a small amount of money on the side, if that's a transaction, I make 20 bucks off of something, I will tithe $2 and I will tax $2. And they said, really, why would you do it in such a small amount? I said, because that's what I believe that Jesus would do. That's what I believe he's told me to do. It's, he said, to render to Caesars what belongs to Caesar. His disciples came to him and said, hey, should we be paying taxes? And he said, if it's got Caesar's face on it, give it back to Caesar. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render to God what belongs to God. And I believe that those two things are demanded of me, so I make sure that I tax and tithe on every dollar that I make. Why? Because that dollar is not my blessing. God is my blessing. I have to show myself approved by having the nature of Jesus Christ, by behaving like him, by being in his same way in his nature. I have to do as he would do to show that I am truly in the vine. Does this make sense? You follow me on this one? Now, I'm not trying to be here to try and convict you, to say you have to live your life the same way. If you've got a different conviction, go ahead. But my scripture says that's what I'm meant to do because in Matthew 7, 16, it says this, you will know them by their, by their fruit. That's by the action, 
by the application of how they live. If you're just looking at junk online on your little TV screen, that's not the fruit of Christ. If you are letting crap come out of your mouth, that's not the fruit of Christ. You might go, it's too hard, it's too difficult. Then remain in Christ. Take that same time, take that same uh, laptop, take that same smartphone, take that same words that come out of your mouth and submit them to Christ and let the Christ remain inside of you so that you might be able to overcome these things. The point is this, you may not be fully like Christ yet, but you must increase in his fruit. Here's the thing. He actually goes on and he says something amazing here. He says this, if you remain in me and my words, that's the application, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a pretty lofty thing to say, right? 11 times it says in the New Testament, 11 times it says, ask and you shall receive. But here's the thing. If you're asking for fruit or you're asking for more things in your life, but you're not in the nature of God, you can't have it. It's not possible. You see, if my children come up to me and say, hey, dad, can I borrow your car? But I had just told them to clean the room and they didn't clean the room. Am I likely to give them my car? No. Why? Listen, if you're walking in disobedience and haven't done what I've told you to do, why would I give you more of me? Why would I give you more fruit? Why would I give you more benefit and favor in your life? Why would I give you my car when you haven't taken care of the small thing that I've already given you? You following me? You see, if you want more fruit in your life, if you want to be overly, abundantly blessed in your life, if you want to see more things than you could ever imagine, you don't have to work harder to do that. You just have to be in the nature of Christ and the fruit will come about. Because all you have to do is ask. There's no caveat here. Oh, if you're good enough and if you, if you tidy your room enough, that's not what he did. He didn't give this caveat. But the fact is you have to have his nature to receive the fruit that he wants to give to you. Why would Jesus give us more? Well, he's already told us. Firstly, obedience. The second one is because this is to my Father's glory. It glorifies God when we increase in fruitfulness in our life, when we increase in blessings in our life. Father in heaven, as we just take a moment right now, I want you to take some time right now, just closing your eyes. And I want you to ask the Spirit, where do you want me to get cleaned up? Where do you want me to be pruned? Is it how I treat my family, my spouse? Is it how I manage my time? Is it how I don't really take the time to open up my door and welcome my neighbors? Is it how I even complain and look at life like it's against me? Is it how I even manage my finances? Have I, have I been putting my money into my own mouth? Putting my money where my mouth is, my mouth is that I don't actually have much faith in you, Jesus. Is it that I don't actually spend time with you? 
And when someone asks me, how much do you pray? I always go, well, probably not enough. Jesus, I wanna be done with that, probably not enough. My answer should be, I wanna be, I wanna be in constant communion with you, Jesus. I wanna, I want the life-giving sap from the vine to come into me constantly, trickling into my life, taking over my mind, my soul, my habits, my family, my faith for the future, my hope, my trust. Jesus, fill us with your nature. Fill us with your nature so that we might please the Father and have the fruitfulness that we desire. Help us to have the boldness to keep asking you for things sometimes we think we don't deserve and we know we don't deserve, but we just trust that when you said to ask, we shall receive. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.